there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast number 80. Today is Sunday, February the 5th, 2017. And today's guest is Thomas Leslie from Canada. Thomas is a graduate of Wilfrid Laurel and McGill Universities where he studied both voice and organ. He recently completed an executive MBA program at the Université Paris-Dauphine, one of the France's most prestigious research and higher education institutions. He is the executive director of the Canadian International Organ Competition a member of the board of directors of Casavan Frères and holds a college diploma from the Royal Canadian College of Organists. Thomas also has a beautiful tenor voice and uh, sings regularly throughout Canada and the United States. His uh, recent performance highlights include Handel's Messiah and the Magic Flute with the Orchestre Symphonique de Longue Lille, Handel's Dixie Dominus, Mozart Credo Messe, and Heinz Lord Nelson Mass with the Lambert Choral Society, Mendelssohn's Elijah with the Berkshire Choral Festival, music of Nico Muli at the River to River Festival in New York City, Jazz Bach's Cantata Ein Festeburg ist unser Gott in Kitchener, Ontario, and Mozart's Requiem with the Orchestre Symphonique de l'Estuaire. Other operatic performances include Benjamin Britten's A Midsummer Night's Dream, Harry Sommer's Louis Riel, Strauss's Die Fledermaus, and Bernstein's Candida. Thomas has been heard as a panelist on CBC Radio's Opera Quiz and was featured on the Bravo Network documentary series The Classical Now. In today's conversation, Thomas uh, talks about the Canadian International Organ Competition and Festival. So this prestigious international organ competition is an organization devoted to the promotion of organ music in Quebec and Canada through discovery activities for the general public concerts and an annual festival in Montreal in October. Its competition directed by the eminent Canadian organist John Gru every three years ranks among the most prestigious competitions in the world, with prizes totaling over $100,000. Past winners are David Baskefield from UK in 2014, Christian Lane from the United States in 2011, and Frédéric Champion from France in 2008. So let's go to the show and let's find out about one of the most spectacular organ events in the world thank you so much Thomas for joining in this conversation and people around the world from 89 countries will be delighted to know more about uh, this fantastic uh, Canadian international organ competition that you're leading I'm very grateful for your time and generosity of sharing ideas with our community so thank you so much and welcome to the show. Thank you. At the beginning of our conversation, 
we had a few technical difficulties because I was talking on the phone. Uh, my connection wasn't stable and um, it kept uh, getting disconnected. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, I then transferred to my laptop and uh, f finally it all worked out okay. So at, that at the part uh, where I was talking with Thomas on the phone, he was uh, telling a story of how he first fell in love with the organ, basically, uh, when he was uh, in his youth and uh, at first he was a singer. So let's continue listening to Thomas' story now. Y you were saying that you first you were a singer, yes. and uh, and uh, you were I fascinated by the complexity of this instrument, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Have you ever tried to really look into the complexity, uh, you know, of this instrument from the let's say engineering point of view, like an organ builder? Yeah, because actually, when one of one of the churches that uh, where I was the organist, we put in a uh, a pipe organ to replace an electronic organ that they had. So I I got to see all of the the dismantling of the organ at its previous home and refurbishment and the installation in the in the new church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I had the you know I got, I got to see a I got to see it all dismantled and. Uh, see the various components and how they fit together and how it all how it all um, works right of course uh, uh, when we're talking about this instrument big instrument there are so many moving parts and it's uh, not only uh, engineering but also in artistic point of view it's very complex instrument so um, at which point of, of your life, uh, uh, Thomas, uh, did uh, you understand that you want to connect people, connect organists, and uh, to um, organize uh, organ concerts and festivals like that? I've been working uh, at the Canadian International Organ Competition for four and a half years now. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, I was working actually at McGill University, not doing anything to do with music, mm -hmm. um, although still singing as a singer. Um, and the opportunity to come and join the competition came, and it seemed like an interesting venture and um, a, a, a great little uh, artistic organization that we had in Montreal. And so I was uh, fortunate enough to be selected to, uh, to take over as the executive director. And I've been doing it now for, for four and a half years. Yeah, this is a very, um, let's say, uh, I don't know, uh, very, it's a dream sometimes for an organist to be able to connect so many, let's say, mm -hmm. stars from the organ world, right? To come together to, to a city like Montreal and to play uh, for organ music lovers, right? And uh, I think uh, you're right. It's a, it's a real real dream and sometimes it's a privilege. And um, um, Thomas... Uh, what uh, uh, what uh, fascinates you about uh, those uh, those making those connections? Is it always um, an easy thing to communicate with people from around the world, or um, sometimes you feel like a, like a challenge which you have to overcome? Well, I mean, I think f well primarily our biggest focus is actually on young 
organists young the next generation of stars and that's the whole purpose of the competition is to identify them uh, bring them together let them make their own connections that, that and um, and then support them after the fact and give them performing opportunities um <clears throat> And that's very satisfying. And I know, as a as a musician myself, that the 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 connections you make when you're just young and starting out and studying, or doing competitions or doing uh, festivals or whatever, um, those are those are friends and acquaintances that you're going to keep for all of your life. Yes. And so it's very it's very satisfying to see people come. And uh, and develop those connections, and then you, you know that they'll they'll go on and and perform together, and 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 look out for each other, and and work together throughout all of their professional lives. I I could not agree more that it's 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 a very worthwhile uh, work you're doing because uh, um, um, young organists sometimes have a real trouble to to rise above the competition and the competition mm-hmm. like uh, like uh, like this is is a great uh, star- starting point maybe not starting point because it's so prestigious of course but but uh, uh, i don't know uh, for for virtuoso young organist it's a very it's it's a real career boost don't you think absolutely and i think it's um you know, I, I, we we try to structure it in such a way that, well, of course, everyone is competing against each other, and there can only be one first prize winner. Um, we do our best to to create the right kind of atmosphere that that people feel like they're they're uh, um, you know the the pressure is not too much, and that the two weeks that they spend here in Montreal for the live competitions, it's almost like a a two-week professional development course mm-hmm. where regardless of whether they win the first prize or don't win any prize, when they leave here, they'll leave uh, as stronger musicians than when they came. Definitely. Um, just to compete, just to pre- even prepare f- this amazing and uh, uh, grand f- program, right, uh, for, this, yeah. uh, for this competition is a... F- is a is a remarkable feat for many people. No, n- not too many people even, you know, are able to to prepare that kind of length, right? Yeah. L- lengthy program. But if you do the preparation right, uh, uh, several, at l- I mean, a year in advance, and you are working hard, and you are, you have great education in ahead uh, in advance, then it this process in itself. Is so rewarding, regardless whether uh, this person wins or not. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And often, um, people come back as long as they're still eligible. They will come back and compete mm-hmm. uh, more than more than one time. Um, and the people who come back for for a second time, they're usually much stronger. Um, Competitors, because they know exactly how things work and they know how to plan their programs and how to prepare. Because with the, the three live rounds, it's um, you know, it's over two hours of music, mm-hmm. which is a lot of repertoire. And what can often happen is, you know, they 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 concentrate very hard on our our first round, which is Bach and Buxtehude, to make sure they get in 
to the second round, and then the second round is usually pretty pretty good too. But what it it sometimes people can be uh, a little underprepared for their last round because mm-hmm. they were concentrating on earlier, where the the people who who uh, perform the best actually do it in reverse, and they get you know their their final yes. program is solid and then they work their way backward from there in this case of course there is a risk not to get into the second round right if yes. you are a little bit sloppy right the the first yeah. round mm-hmm. and uh, when i may when i say sloppy um, i don't think i don't mean you are playing with uh, lots of mistakes no just a few slips is enough in at this level right world-class level competition to be able not to be able to go on right to the second round probably yeah i mean it's not it's at the we we understand that why you know the the jury does its best to recognize the fact that it's a an artificial environment Mm -hmm. and that the, the 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 nervous pressure is higher there than than it would be in any other circumstance, so for, for even even at the very beginning, the jury is looking for for musicality and looking for people who are are really communicating with their with their audience, and that's why for all three of the live rounds we have um, we have live video of the organist playing for the public, and we put in a, we invest a lot of resources into promoting the, fe- the, the, the competition route rounds and our festival to the general public to make sure that, you, you know, the, the, we, we typically have, you know, a, around a thousand people in the church for a, for a round of the competition. And I think in a way, even though you, you might think that that would increase the pressure on the competitors, but in a way, I think it, it, um, it decreases it because when they look out and they see all those people, they, they can think, okay, well, I'm not really doing a competition. I'm just playing a concert. Mm-hmm. And then they go and play the concert and play for the audience because I think it's much, much easier to play for an audience than mm-hmm. it is to play for a jury or even to pay, play for your fellow competitors. Yeah, uh, the best performance usually happens when you forget who is listening, uh, who is even judging you, right? And uh, yeah. the fact that you have only one chance, if you, if you, if you can forget this, mm, if, you can, if you can be in a mental state where you can be, you know, relaxed and as easygoing, of course, focused enough not to be, ab- not to be able to sleep, but, but enough uh, with, you know, play with joy, for the, joy of, for the sake of joy of music, basically. Then mm-hmm. uh, perhaps the best performances might happen, I think too. Exactly. Uh, and uh, Thomas, uh, do you think um, about competition like this as a form of art or sport? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean, probably. Uh, when when people competing, it's m- it's like in athletics, right? Uh, one one has to win, or several people have to win, but a few people win ha- will have to lose, right? Whereas in art, everybody wins in in some way, right? Yeah, I think it's definitely more art than sport, mm-hmm. because 
I think that even uh, the regardless of whether people win a prize or not, um, they've made music for people, and even if they didn't convince the judge that they were the best, there is probably somebody in the audience who thought they were the best, and for that person, it was a it was a satisfying artistic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best the best way to express this idea of art but also of competition with 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 yourself you know you're competing against yourself basically you're you're uh, um, at which level you were yesterday and at which level you are today so the we strive to be better right every day I think uh-huh. that's 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 the mental state which uh, freeze the mind or the person from unnecessary tension you know w- when you compare each other uh, uh, you know colleagues who are competing sometimes they're nervous sometimes they're envious but if you look at at the at yourself as a competitor against yourself then it's it's a little bit different don't you think yeah mm-hmm. but i think you know like i say it's um it's definitely more artistic than athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have, um, um, sc- I mean, uh, anonymous around uh, where uh, mm-hmm. the judge, judges cannot see the faces of the competitors? Yeah, the, the first, the preliminary round, which will be taking place at the end of March, is a blind round mm-hmm. on, uh, made uh, an audio recording. Mm-hmm. And then we typically, so there'll be typically about 60 applicants for that, between 50 and 60. And then um, from that pool of 50 to 60, we, we reduce it to um, 16 competitors and maybe three or four alternates that can come and compete in the live round. Yes. And when, when the competitors send the audio recording, there is no really way to to know who is playing, right? Exactly. Only the secretary probably knows. Right. The, the I know. I I know, but I don't vote. Right. <laughs> so then, then the objectivity, right, of the judges are intact, and integrity of the of the competition will be very very high at, at this yeah. level. Mm-hmm. Because in some parts of the world. Like in my country, for example, Lithuania, uh, they are not ready, not yet ready to do a blind audition. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes uh, it's uh, the subjectivity of the, of the judges gets in the way. Sometimes the students mm-hmm. or friends of the students, uh, friends of the colleagues, you know, are competing and, you know, those political yeah. decisions get in the way. So I'm glad that Canada is well ahead of that, (laughs) of uh, subjectivity. Great. Um, So how do you select the programming, the program, the the repertoire for the, let's say, uh, first, second and the final rounds? Uh, Well, uh, that's that's under the domain of our artistic director, John Mm -hmm. Grew, um, who's the former dean and former organ professor at at McGill University here. Um, We try to, but our basic premise is to give as much choice to the competitors to to build their own 
program, um, which is which is both a, both a, a gift and a curse in a way because it's a it's a lot of responsibility to build uh, a program and that the judges judge not only the playing but but the the thought that went into the program and the fact that they've created a balanced program that that uh, engages the audience. Whereas if everything was assigned. Mm-hmm. Then they wouldn't have to think about that. They would just play what they, what they were told to play. Mm-hmm. But even even in the first round, which is Bach and Buxtehude, um, there are four, um, four different blocks. Uh, you know, like an ornamented chorale, uh, a prelude and fugue, uh, Buxtehude work, and then. Uh, uh, I forget what the fourth one is, but but even but then within each of those categories, there are several choices that um, mm-hmm. that each competitor can make on their own, mm-hmm. and then from from there going on, it just gets um, uh, a, fr- uh, a freer and freer in terms of the the repertoire requirements. What you, would you think about the strange idea? Uh, I, I'm going to say it. You know, uh, if Everybody would play the same thing uh, on the first round, on the second, a different program, but everybody would be competing against everybody with the same repertoire. Would that be, I don't know, artistically pleasing? Well, c- uh, certainly not for the audience, mm-hmm. right? right. We have to, you, you know, in the, in the last... Um, the last competition the, in 2014, we had 10,000 spectators throughout the two weeks um and those all of those thousands of people are not going going to want to sit and listen to the same Bach piece 16 times and even the jury uh I think would would have a hard time listening uh over and over again to the same piece exactly yeah I was waiting for this kind of answer you know and another idea is Uh, when the person doesn't have to choose, right, uh, and think uh, subjectively about the programming, right, um, then uh, we eliminate this kind of mm, responsibility of an artist, basically, right, Uh, to be able to choose uh, wisely the repertoire which (laughs) works together. Mm -hmm. And and then uh, if... uh, As you're saying, if they're only playing as things that they're told to play, it's not enough today. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm, in this kind of wo- uh, world, which is uh, constantly, constantly changing, exploring new boundaries, technologies, mixing with creativity, and the uh, organ world is um, never the same, right? Every year is something new. So, no. uh, so you are right about uh, having uh, the need to to explore the the maturity of an artist, right? Even though it's it's a young person, but it he he or she has to be well-rounded, right? With choices, with performance, with creativity, with expression, and communication, probably. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so Thomas. Uh, Um, what kind of instrument is uh, available for the Baroque uh, round? Uh? Well, I mean, Montreal has a, is a is a rich city for organs. We, there are over 300 organs in 
on the island of Montreal. Not all of them are of the highest quality for the competition, but we have we have lots of good instruments. And um, the organ that we use for the preliminary round, or sorry, the first round, the Baroque round, is um, is a von Beckerath mm-hmm. organ uh, that was built in the I think 1960 at the Église du Immaculate Conception, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a it's a nice, well balanced, three manual, mechanical action organ that um, that works very very well in the acoustic. Mm-hmm. Do you have baroque pieces in the second or the final round, or also? Um, technically, it's possible because mm-hmm. people have, uh, but the people do well. Uh, that's not true. Some people do play some. Some Bach on the, on a more romantic instrument in a more romantic style, and uh, or they will choose sort of romantic transcriptions of Bach, the mm-hmm. the Bach Dupre um, uh, cantata transcription, or th- things like that. So I guess it would depend on whether you consider that to be bar- Baroque music or not. Um, but the the if they do. But then they just have to make sure they choose a piece that they can make work mm-hmm. uh, on a on an instrument that that's a you know a more romantic mm-hmm. um, instrument, um, which is, may not be as easy be, because they they have only a limited amount of time on the instruments. But even before that, they have to actually choose their repertoire. Before before ever playing these instruments, mm-hmm. you know they get they can look at the stop list. They can maybe listen to some YouTube recordings from previous rounds, but they can't they can't sit in the space and they can't get acquainted with the instruments um, uh, when before they have to make their repertoire choices. Yes, uh, you're right uh, that uh, that a person has to be. Uh, with a good education and good sense of uh, um, taste, right? Which, what, what, what would work on this kind of instrument, even from looking at the desired uh, specification, you can, you can see some things which might not work, which might work. Uh, for example, if, if a person is planning to play some... some uh, uh, Choral Fanta- Fantasia by Matthias Weckmann from North Germany, <laughs> and it, you know, would require some 16-foot trumpet uh, on the on the grate. Uh, it has to be there, right? This kind yeah, of exactly. stuff. Yes, that's what I mean. Um, and uh, Thomas, how much time do we, do they uh, get on 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 the target instrument to practice? Um. That's, I know that we make sure they get at least three hours per, but it's it's closer to five. I mm-hmm. think we give um, we we give them as much practice time as possible, but we have to make sure that it's equitable and that everyone gets the exact same amount of time. Is it true, Thomas, that the best performances or even the best organists are those? people who do their homework first, you know, at home, study the, the specification list, do the preparation about the registration changes well in advance, and don't waste their time at the instrument itself. 
Yeah, and I think that's another reason why the people who come back maybe for a second time uh, do a better job because they know they they get to know the instruments more, they get to know the structure of the competition more, they get to know the acoustics, um, and so actually, obviously, in the very first competition, it it was it wasn't a return person who won because there were no return people, but subsequently in two thousand eleven and in two thousand and fourteen. Um, the the winners um, had competed in the in previous competitions, mm-hmm. and of course the the prizes prizes must be uh, a very tempting uh, tempting thing for them. Uh, not only you know artistically they want to compete and uh, be able to create their own careers because of that, but also some some kind of. Uh, um, rewards, uh, financial rewards, or even uh, recording deals, uh, or uh, concert engagements, right? Management uh, engagements uh, m- are very, very tempting for young people. Do you have those in place uh, for artists? Yeah, I mean, I think we probably are the most generous competition in the world. We have our total prize package of all of the prizes that are offered is... Um, is worth over one hundred and twenty thousand dollars Canadian, yes. um, and the, just the the first prize alone is um, twenty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and then you know the the last person, the twenty fourteen winner, won the uh, first prize and and three other prizes: the audience prize and the um, Canadian the prize for the best interpretation of the Canadian work. And uh, I forget what the the third prize was, but anyways, he left with having won forty thousand dollars in prize money, which is basically a, a year's salary. Yes. Um, and then on top of that, he also had a recording uh, engagement through us, um, which would have been worth twenty thousand dollars if he were to pay for everything on his own, and. Um, and probably another twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars worth of concert engagements over the last three years. So, um, I think the the people the people who have the people who are fortunate enough to win the competition here get get really a lot of professional support and uh, and remuneration and performance opportunities. Just think what you could do with uh, twenty-five or forty thousand dollars, as as in in this case, uh, one could uh, buy an instrument, right, for practice at mm-hmm. home. One could invest in uh, in um, other competitions, right, Pre- uh, prepare to create, and uh, one could uh, after after that one could hire a um, professional. Um, marketing agency right or something like that career development um, it's it's a real real dream for for young uh, artists uh, in this mm-hmm. kind of environment very competitive and very fluid environment um, so great I'm, I'm so so grateful and I'm so um, uh, s- s- it's fantastic that you're doing this important work for, for the Oracle world. Uh, I know it's it's not easy to get th- those kinds of financial supports. Uh, I- I- can you tell a little bit behind the scenes, uh, Thomas, um, how challenging is it to get the donors to donate that kind of money? 
Well, it's it's a const it's it's just constant effort. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. Um, where we have very little public funding mm-hmm. from uh, from the Canadian government, only eight percent of our budget. Um, which means every year I have to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars in um, uh, in private donations in order to um, in order to to run the program that we have. I mean, we are lucky to have a strong board of uh, directors uh, with lots of contacts and lots of generous friends and acquaintances who help us every year loyally. Um, but it's the other. It's important for us and important for those donors that we that we have a connection with the public too, and that we have people coming. Um, uh, and so that's a that's an important aspect to 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 our success. Not you know it, it, you might not think that somebody paying twenty dollars to come to a concert makes a big difference, but when many people do, and just to see people there, it allows us to prove to the the donors that it's worth doing and that the the you know box office sales are important and it's important to make a bit of money on the box office but for me it's more of a of a litmus test or a confirmation that that we're actually that we're engaging with people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that we're that we're convincing them to come come out because in a way um the People, it's it's harder. Sometimes it's harder to convince people to come to something than it is to, for, to convince them to give money. You know, you might time is precious. You can't buy, you know, you can't buy more time. So if you you some people may decide that well, I'm not going to go, uh, but I'll give you a donation. But ideally, we want both. We want people exactly. to support us financially, but also come out and see the see the efforts. Do we have organists among those donors? We have a few, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, we've got a, we've got some, we've got s- some organists who mm-hmm. who support us, and if, and you know, not organists are not necessarily wealthy, mm-hmm. uh, so so organists, some organists who who may not be able to afford to give us a lot of donations. Mm-hmm. Um, They can they contribute in other ways. They yes. they volunteer with us. They mm-hmm. they um, make sure that we can use their church as a practice mm-hmm. instrument during the competition. They there's there are many ways to support. Exactly. Even if there's even if you can't write a big check, you can you can still make a big difference. Even this show, uh, Secrets of Organ Playing, people will be listening to us from 89 countries, and uh, perhaps some of them. Uh, might choose to travel to Montreal, you know, and um, do you have some travelers from from across the globe just for the competition and the festival? Yeah, we've had like, people, we do have people and for the, our, our festival that we're hosting this July, we already have people who have registered from South Africa, from Australia, mm-hmm. from Germany, from Hong Kong. Um, so we do, we do attract people from, from around the globe. It's don't don't you think that it's a community? It's it's like a small movement, right? Like-minded people who are who who love not only organ music, they are connected by the common purpose, right? Uh, and common purpose involves this uh, uh, this locality of Montreal, right? And uh, the people who come to compete 
repeatedly, right? They are part of that movement, and um, I think it it grows into something bigger than than uh, it appears, right? At first, its influence is is spreading the world word about that in in years. Uh, let's say at the beginning, I think uh, uh, the word about uh, this competition and the festival wasn't that great and and uh, far spreading than it is today today is one of the yeah. premier events in the organ world every every magazine will write about it and every reviewer will will want to comment you know <laughs> and, uh, See it. it's prestige just to be there to be a part of that journey so um, i'm so grateful that you are doing this job and making the dream come true possible thomas Thank you. So thank you so much for your time and generosity today. People around the world now are eager to know more about you and your competition and festival. So could you direct them to to a place online they they could visit and get in touch with you? Yeah, they should go to www.ciocm.org, which is uh, CIOC is the Canadian International Organ Competition Montreal, CIOCM. Excellent. I'll make sure I'll put that link into the description of our conversation so that people can literally click on the link and get into your website. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Thomas, for your time, generosity one more time, and have a tremendous success with the festival this year and the competition. And um, I hope to, to keep in touch with you. And uh, if, if you have something new, please tell me. I will be uh, more than delighted to help spread the word for you. Thank you so much. Perfect. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog, Secrets of Organ Playing, at organduo.lt, where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vidas Pinkavichus. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you online really soon.